0: Hello, and welcome to Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. In today's episode, I'm joined by nutritional therapist and Lyme disease expert, Rebecca Ellison. Rebecca will be sharing her incredibly inspiring story of how she overcame a 12-year battle with chronic illness triggered by Lyme disease. She'll be explaining what Lyme disease is, the symptoms to look out for, and how you can get tested. Rebecca will also be discussing the role of toxins and gut health in people with Lyme disease and sharing her experience and expertise on overcoming Lyme disease through dietary and lifestyle measures. Rebecca is a qualified naturopathic nutritional therapist who specializes in helping women with complex chronic illness. Rebecca suffered with Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome and mold illness for 12 years, but now lives a very full life. She's a strong believer that recovery is possible. Rebecca runs her own practice in Lancashire and has clients all over the UK. She aims to find the root cause of a person's symptoms and heal through diet, lifestyle, detox, emotional healing, nutritional supplements and herbs. Rebecca has appeared in numerous publications such as Women's Health, What Doctors Don't Tell You, Thrive Magazine, Lancashire Life and many podcasts. She's lectured for CNM and is now mentoring other practitioners to help build their business. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, thank you so much for inviting me and having me. I'm looking forward to chatting. Same here. Now Lyme disease is a debilitating condition that often goes undiagnosed and can cause a whole host of health issues in the body from fatigue to swollen joints and muscle aches. And if it's left untreated, it can pose a serious health threat long term. So you're going to unpack Lyme disease for us today and give our listeners a greater understanding of the condition and how it can be managed naturopathically. But before we get started, please can you tell us a little bit about your health story and your experience as a practitioner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, explaining Lyme disease, that's no pressure there. It's such a big, (laughs) such a big topic, isn't it? Yeah, so I was just a really normal kid. You know, I was just at school and I was sociable and quite academic. And then literally when I was 13, I I literally couldn't get out of bed. Like like you were explaining the full body aches and fatigue. You know, at that point my mum was having to take me to the toilet and bath me and you know, we went through all the tests and everything and I had um, some hospital stays and eventually they uh, diagnosed me with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, which is so common. You know, a lot of people get diagnosed with chronic fatigue, ME, fibromyalgia, and the doctors unfortunately just said that I was too severe of a case and there was nothing that they could do to help me. Um, at which point, at that point, I was in a wheelchair at 13.
0: Oh, Wow.
1: And that was, that was it, done. You know, I couldn't really go to high school. Um, I had a very, very limited life at at some points. I was bed bound, so I couldn't even chew my food. That's how fatigued my entire body was, you know. Wow. I had to kind of wear an eye mask, have the curtains closed. Like my family had to kind of creep around the house because any noise was painful to me. Um, And there was just, you know, as a 13-year-old, and there's no answers, there's nothing that they can give you. And it was actually when I was eighteen, my family decided to take me to see Dr. Myhill, which I know you guys obviously know uh, Dr. Myhill really well at CNM.
0: Yes, so we've I've interviewed her as well on the podcast. She's amazing. I listened to it. She's
1: so great, and she's so knowledgeable. And she found, you know, quite frankly, she did all the functional testing on me, and she found I had adrenal fatigue, and mitochondria dysfunction, and candida, and SIBO. And we did all the testing, which is outside of the NHS, obviously, and she. I started to really recover and really move forwards. Amazing! And she was such an inspiration for me. And it was with working with her that I said, I want to do this as a job and I want to um, you know, help other people. And it was a couple of years down the journey with her that I decided to test for Lyme disease. And so as a family, we, um, we tested uh, via Armin Labs, the German lab. And lo and behold, mm-hmm. it came back positive. I'd actually had a couple of Lyme disease tests on the NHS and they, they'd all come back negative, which is very, very common actually. Um, but finally, when I was 21, we finally got a positive Lyme disease test, at which point I'm eight years down the journey. I'm eight years down the line and finally had, had just found out that I had Lyme disease. So then um, from there we used herbs and more detox regimes and things like that. And that's actually why I um, ended up coming to CNM because I, I knew that coming to CNM was going to be part of me getting completely well and le- everything that I knew I was going to learn at CNM, I could apply to myself. And, and through that whole process, it's 12 years of a process, but now I'm literally fine. Literally fine. You know, I'm married um I'm running this business. I've got a child. I never thought I could ever have children, but I've got a healthy child and just, you know, have a social life. It's it's things really I never, ever, 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 ever thought would happen. Climbing mountains when you've been in a wheelchair is not really something that you ever dare to dream of.
0: No, that's absolutely amazing. That's what I mean. You must have been back at that time saying, oh, there's nothing we can do for you. You were like 12 and it's like, yeah see it's, it's crazy isn't it and then, that must happen to so many people and they just feel lost and scared and where can they get the information is this going to be my life you've got this whole life ahead of you and you're told there's nothing that can be done for you
1: yeah but i think there's something i find it a lot you know in lyme disease and um, patients that there's something within you know there was something within me that said i'm not going to live like this you know i'm going to find an answer um and thankfully i have very very supportive um parents in a very supportive family who were with me the entire time. But I don't know, there's just something deeper that knew that I was going to recover from this and I was going to find a way come what may.
0: Absolutely. It's that inner warrior. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it's
1: funny, you know, I see, like I say, I see that a lot. And we're very much the type A personality, you know, very driven, very hard on ourselves, but very, very determined that we are going to win.
0: Absolutely. And and I hear that a lot. And when I watch webinar series myself on various chronic illnesses, that, that's that's a common theme. People are like, no, I'm just I wasn't going to take that. I wasn't gonna just sit there and, you know, no. die and, and and not give it my all to try and find the answers. And they go on to, you know, find those answers and then they would go on to be amazing practitioners helping others and singing from the rooftops about how they overcome this chronic health issue that they thought that they'd never you know never be able to walk again or play with their kids or do all the fun things in life so it's it's really really inspiring yeah
1: and you know don't get me wrong it's not an easy thing to do at all um and I have to support clients very closely with that it's it's very messy and it's a messy journey and but is it worth it? I mean, goodness gracious, of course it's worth it, you know, to to have your life back again. Of course it's worth every test, every appointment, every supplement you have to take. It's completely worth it.
0: I couldn't agree more. It's, um, you know, you've got to do the work, haven't you? Of course, um, of course. You can't just, it's not just, let's just take a pill, you know, or let's just take these these things. You've got to change your diet. You've got to change your lifestyle. You've got to you know, look at your emotional health and the way you do things on a daily basis.
1: And everything, you know, we believe that everything comes from a root cause. You know, I Mm -hmm. didn't just become poorly that day when I was 13. There'd been lots of things in my life that had got me to that point. I was bitten by a tick when I was eight years old. That Even how we're born and breastfed and things like that, they all build a picture of that person, that client that's then sat in front of you of how that client has become poorly. We all have a story. The body just doesn't suddenly get sick one day. I don't believe anyway.
0: No, I, I agree 100%. So, um, and you're going to be talking a bit more about that later on, because it's even just for what you've talked about with the testing, sort of getting a positive and negative. I know, um, some people have some questions around that, but we'll come on to the testing a bit later on. Just wanted to go back to your time studying at CNM. I, I imagine that played a pivotal role in your healing journey, as you mentioned. So what did you enjoy most about the course and how did it change your life?
1: Oh God, how did it change my life? I mean, I have so much gratitude towards CNM and I really do. And it's just more than just a course. I was finally surrounded by like-minded people. Now that was a really big deal to me because there's not a lot of people talking about this kind of thing um, in, in the world really. And to be surrounded by people who were on the same journey as me or similar journeys or were really interested to learn about health and recovery was a Big pivotal thing for me, and to have that support was great. As I say, basically everything I learned at CNM, I applied to myself. I used myself as the guinea pig, Um, and so I also think that being at CNM, I I just don't think. Well, I I believe I don't. I don't think I'd be recovered if I hadn't have gone to CNM. Um, And it was also I was quite sick when I actually enrolled at CNM. I was still quite poorly, but because it was so flexible, it it worked. You know, I was still able to do it because of the flexibility. I, I couldn't have gone to university because there's no soft flexibility there. And plus, anyway, they weren't offering me what CNM was offering me. Um, but it means that now I have a business where I am extremely knowledgeable in the area that I work in, chronic illness. I can work my own hours and set my own fees. And, and I'm in charge of what I do every day. And again, that's, that's freedom to me. I wouldn't have got that anywhere else if it hadn't been for CNM.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's It's about not only helping yourself and your own health, you you can help others, you can create a new career, very flexible, you can work from anywhere. So yeah, it it is a fantastic course. Yeah,
1: one of my clients um, sent me a picture on uh, Monday morning that she'd just gone back to part time work. um, And she'd been so sick for two years. Um, And when you get, you know, messages like that, and you've helped somebody, Get their life back. I mean, re- there's not many jobs that you get that amount of job satisfaction that you've been a part of changing someone's life like that.
0: Absolutely. It's incredibly rewarding, especially with some, you know, in the kind of work that you do where people are very chronically ill um, and they can't even get out of bed. Yeah.
1: And when they've been told they've got no control and they have no answers, and you can be the individual to teach them, educate them, and give them their life back. But it's not just that person you've given their life back. You've given, that person back to their families and their friends.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely. It really does. That's it. Because I think that becomes a focal point for a lot of families, doesn't it? Because, oh, um, such and such is ill. And, you know, there's, as you say, this stream of appointments and, you know, know, everything has to revolve around that person. And that sort of um, becomes the focal point, which can detract from other areas of their life or other people in the family which can cause a strain can't it? Yeah
1: absolutely it means that people can get back to you know living their lives and going to weddings and all the other good stuff that is part of just normal life it's just but without CNM I wouldn't have this job at all.
0: Oh that's amazing such an inspiring story and um, I know it's going to help a lot of our listeners today who Maybe struggling with with a, with a health condition, or have a family member who's also struggling. So um, now, so since graduating from CNM, you've built this very successful practice um, helping people with Lyme disease and chronic disease. Now, as the expert on Lyme disease, please can you explain what Lyme disease is, what causes it, and some of the symptoms that are associated with the condition.
1: So, Lyme disease is a disease of the blood and it's a bacterial infection called Borrelia. And because it's in the blood, in essence, it can travel anywhere in the body and it can set up camp wherever it feels like, really. So, the kidneys, the liver, the brain, the gut. And the symptoms that we'd be looking at, really, which is what you mentioned at the beginning um, of the podcast, would be, you know, the fatigue, the noise, light sensitivity. Um, a strange one with Lyme disease is, is a lot of joint pain, but joint pain that migrates around the body. So it can be pain in the elbow, then it can be pain in the knee, then it can be pain in the in the back. It can migrate like that on an hourly or daily basis. And um, you know, people can have a lot of gut issues, um, a lot of kidney issues as well, um, aching, headaches, migraines. There's a whole whole list of symptoms that clients will come with 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 Lyme disease. Now, the general story really is that we get Lyme disease from a tick bite, which is true. That is the most common way that people end up with Lyme disease. But these days, things have changed slightly. I'll never forget the poorest client I ever had. We actually put her um, Lyme disease test down to the fact that she was traveling in Australia and she was bitten so many times by mosquitoes, literally bitten all over her body, and she believed as well that her um, her positive Lyme and co-infection test got back to there because it can be mosquitoes these days it can even be spider bites you know fleas so I'll 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 always ask as well with new clients have you got pets or have you had pets that can be um a way that people can end up with the bacteria there is a question mark over whether we can pass it on um you know via the umbilical cord you know to any babies that we're carrying i think there's a bit of a question mark still there And through breast milk, there's a question mark, you know, with breast milk as well. But the other thing um, is, if it's a disease of the blood, then does that mean that we can also be passing that on through, you know, blood donations? I would love to test, you know, do a really big study about the test, you know, test in the UK. And I think more people would test positive for Lyme disease. I think I could actually test positive for Lyme disease sitting here right now still, the difference is that most people's immune systems are strong enough to keep it at bay. And it's when people become very, very compromised through, through any reason, really. Maybe they pick up a virus or um, they're incredibly stressed. I see that quite a lot. It can be under chronic stress that people's symptoms tend to flare. They can have Lyme disease for years and years and never know about it. You know, I was bitten by a tick when I was eight years old, but the symptoms only came when I was 13.
0: So it can lay dormant, is exactly, what you're saying. Exactly. and There's a trigger. So if somebody's getting very stressed or their immune system's struggling, that's when it will raise its head, so to speak.
1: Yeah, because that stress has put so much pressure on the immune system, which has then the immune system's been lowered and compromised, which allows that bacteria then to flourish.
0: Right. And would somebody know that they get bitten or can that just, they? you know, would they know, oh, yes, I got bitten or would you know can they get bitten and not realize it from a tick for example
1: yeah some people so there was a tick in my arm you know I could that was very clear to see um and that's that's makes my life easy doesn't it if clients come and tell me they've actually been bitten by a tick but a lot of the time no not necessarily clients will come and say oh well you know yeah I was in France we were doing a lot of walking we were doing a lot of outdoor activities and then three months later I got sick or you know yeah I was traveling around America or Even in the UK, I mean, I was bitten in the UK and Manchester. Don't think that this is just, you know, in Connecticut in the US or, you know, in hugely wooded areas. I think my tick came from a friend's dog, you know. I think we think that actually Lyme disease is actually quite far away and and I don't believe that it is.
0: Yeah, more like a tropical kind of disease as such. Yeah, I think we do think that, but,
1: but no, and I think unless people can see okay, well, such a body was bitten by a tick last week and now they've got symptoms. It doesn't always work like that.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting you're saying it can come from mosquitoes, spiders, fleas. Yeah, I didn't know that. So um, that's very interesting. And also, yeah, that it could pass through potentially through, from the mother to the baby via breast milk, or the placenta. So that, that is interesting. Yeah.
1: I keep a close eye on my son.
0: Because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um,
1: I I don't know what where my Lyme disease levels were when I was pregnant. I wasn't actually sure, but he's he's really healthy, so I don't think we have any concerns there. But it is a possibility.
0: No, that's that's great. Now, is it one of those? So once you treat it and it goes, is that or does it? Is it still there? Is it something that's a lifelong thing that you have to manage?
1: I personally don't like to use the word cure. I personally don't like to tell any of my clients that I can cure them or get rid of their Lyme disease 100%. My belief from working in this space is that, as you say, I want to get that back into dormancy. I want to strengthen my client's immune system where that if anything happened, the immune system would jump to the rescue and again, squash that Lyme, that bacteria, any co-infections. That's realistically where I think the body needs to get to. I I Maybe Maybe I'm a bit cautious in that way, but yeah, I, I don't like to kind of completely say that someone can be completely cured. I personally have to, you know, keep my stress levels at a minimum, really look after myself because I've had numerous relapses through the years um, and now I just know how to keep myself really, really well. That I think that's the key, but I I actually just think that's the key for everybody, regardless of whether you've got Lyme or not.
0: Yeah, you know, with any, any disease process, isn't it? If we get too stressed, we eat the wrong foods, we're not having a healthy balance in life, then, you know, we make ourselves prone or at risk to certain things, don't we?
1: Yeah, of course. And I think stress can be such a loaded word. And it is easy to, you know, everyone says, of course, you know, we need to be less stressed. But there's so many areas that we can look at of how we can minimize our stress and make things a little bit more manageable.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the testing, because you mentioned you did have a couple of tests and they came back. Negative, and then you had another test with Dr. Myhill that was positive. So, can you talk about what are the tests that you need to get done to detect Lyme disease, and where can you get these done?
1: Yeah, so with my clients, I prefer to use a lab called Armin Labs. Um, they're very well known; they are the kind of go-to for Lyme disease and co-infections. Um, they are based in Germany, but we can still access that from the UK. It's not a problem. You know, we do that very, very frequently with clients. I would say that's the test to go to if you want an accurate result, you know, if you really want to know what's going on in your body. And um, some clients just want to test to have, they just want to know for sure, yes or no, you know, do, yeah, you know, I finally just need to know, is it a yes or is it a no, I've got Lyme disease. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't use any other lab. I'd, I'd only really be using Army Labs if I want to know an accurate result.
0: And is that a blood test? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It'd be a blood, it'd be a blood test.
0: Okay. That's great. So the tests they do within the NHS, is it, is it that's another type of blood test, would it be? Yeah,
1: that would be another type of blood test. It's not quite sensitive, sensitive enough, in my opinion. Um, I've seen lots and lots of false negatives. Um, and then that's why people end up coming to um, practitioners like myself, where we can facilitate the arming tests. Um, and then from there, because of the level of sensitivity that they work with, we're finally seeing actually, yeah, there's a bacterial infection that this client has. Um, but even though it's in Germany you know you can get the blood drawn you know with your local GP nurse or something like that at a blood clinic and then um, we ship it off to Germany um, via via post it's all very clever
0: very clever
1: (laughs) it's all very clever the things that we can access now yeah
0: it's amazing it really is so in terms of if somebody has got some of the symptoms like the joint pain, the fatigue, is it worth them getting tested or do they have to have like, is there X amount of symptoms they have to have before you kind of would say, oh, I think it's Lyme, let's test for that. What's your thought process there?
1: So usually the way that things work is that a client will come and see me and then from there I'll say, yeah, I think we need to test for Lyme or maybe we need to test for mould. Usually you practice, if you're working with a really eloquent, practitioner who understands chronic illness they'll be able to guide you as to really quite frankly as well where you want to be put in your finances whether it's worth an investment of that test because you know these tests are not cheap you know Mm -hmm. we have to pay for these tests as well but it's you know no it's not a case of okay you have to have x amount of symptoms to be almost taken seriously. Um, And I also am a really, really big believer that the client sometimes, (laughs) quite frankly, knows best. And sometimes the client has a gut feeling that this test needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, they're right, you know, and we've done the test and it's been positive and we've all been surprised. It can sometimes work like that, but usually it's within a clinic setting that we'll say, okay, this is something that we would recommend for you guys to be doing.
0: Yeah. OK, great. Thank you for that. Now, what are some of the long term health complications associated with Lyme disease if it goes untreated?
1: If it goes untreated after a certain amount of time, then we are obviously the longer it goes on, the harder it is to rein it back in again, so to speak. Um, because, as I said, it can set up camp wherever it feels like. So it's it's more a case of then, like I said, people end up with severe gut issues that that end up with chronic inflammation then it you know their immune system is getting weaker and weaker and weaker which allows more viruses to be taken on board more mold illness to be taken on board and and just from a common sense perspective the person's been compromised for 10 years where is their mental health at at that point where is their emotional trauma with at, at that point and really, the longer it goes on, the more it has the chance to affect the nervous system directly and the immune system directly. But it, it's always very different with every client. It, it's, it's very strange how it can affect different people in different ways. But obviously, if you know that you've been bitten quite, quite recently, or if you feel like you have the symptoms of Lyme disease, I wouldn't be putting it. I wouldn't be putting off treatment any longer. I'd be starting to go through the testing process and, and starting to, to move forwards with that.
0: Absolutely. Now, which you've already mentioned, toxins, mould exposure and gut health all play a role in patients with Lyme disease. Can you explain why this is?
1: As I mentioned before, because, because of the pressure that Lyme disease puts on the immune system, it allows for these other things to then kind of jump on board, so to speak, I guess. Um, it allows for, um, I see a lot of people with Lyme who've got Epstein-Barr virus, you know, or cytomegular virus, obviously COVID hasn't helped the situation. Um, if their immune system becomes very compromised, if they're living in a water damaged building, maybe with mold, or it could be behind the walls, it could be that you don't even see it. Again, because you're so compromised, it's allowing, if you're breathing in those mold microtoxins, that's also able to set up camp in the body as well. It's like a bucket. Dr. Myhill likes to talk about this. It's like a bucket. And if your bucket gets too full with toxins, then eventually your bucket's gonna overflow and that's where we get these awful chronic illness symptoms because you're not able to detox at all. Your body's so exhausted, it's so compromised, your liver's not working properly, your kidneys are not working properly, you're not able to excrete. Um, people don't even go to the toilet. You know, People are so bummed up going to the toilet. We're not able to get rid of that toxic load so it all just piles over the top really. After you've got something like Lyme or mold illness, everything else just seems to just get harder, get, kind of get harder and harder from there. You know, we end up with more and more end up with more and more diagnoses, really, you know, gut candida, SIBO, as I said, parasite load. It's um, it doesn't end up in a, in a great situation, really.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. So what are some of the dietary and lifestyle measures and detoxification protocols that you did to overcome Lyme disease?
1: I think detox is key. I personally will be detoxing for the rest of my life um, and I would recommend that to anybody in any way, whether that be just quite frankly drinking more water and drink, and making sure that the water you do drink is, is filtered and really clean. You know, obviously the food that we eat, but you know, going a bigger picture, you know, rather than just food is, you know, when we're dealing with lime and mold the detoxification um, protocols, they are pretty heavy. I personally did a herbal protocol, so it was called the cowdon Support Protocol. And oh gosh, I can't even tell you how many herbs I was taking. <laughs> and it, it was on rotation, it was like a full-time job. But at the end of the day, if it works, I'm not really bothered. You know, um, it did the trick. And I had to support my liver and kidneys at the same time, you know, things like milk thistle and certain herbal teas. Um I did saunas, so infrared saunas. Because, you know, we want to be sweating. You know, that's a really great way to, you know, get rid of that toxic load is sweating. We just don't sweat anymore. Like it's, it's just we just don't do that anymore. If you're going for a run, then maybe, but people with chronic illness, I mean, how are they really sweating? They're not. Coffee enemas I found to be really helpful as well. There's a whole protocol when it comes to Lyme disease, which, like I say, is very, very comprehensive. But like you said before, there's not just one pill that we can take and this whole thing is going to go away it's about supporting every aspect of the body you know I had to get rid of parasites I had to work on gut candida which was a fungal infection in my gut I had to do herbs for mold because I um, I actually got sick in a new build house and we had a intercity train line going down the bottom of the garden so in terms of EMFs and all the electricity that was coming off there that It doesn't, it it completely makes sense to me now as to why I got sick in that house due to the level of chemicals from a new build house that I'd moved into. So you've got new carpets, a certain amount of new furniture, new paints, new plaster, new windows, everything was completely new. So as you can see, it's not just the fact that I was bitten when I was eight, the huge amount of chemical exposure I had as well, I believe ended up with me getting that sick when I was 13. So I had all of that to detox. You know, all of mm. that was sitting in my system. Um, my hormones were completely everywhere, again, because of the chemical load. It's um, <laughs> We could just go on and on. We're like, we could just spiral, you know, spiraling.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: there's so many different, like a, of a sieve, there's so many different holes that we need, to, we need to plug all at the same time, really.
0: Absolutely. And as you say, you know, the chemical exposure just in our houses is phenomenal. Like. You know, I think we're exposed to I think eighty chemicals, or at least eighty chemicals each day, just from things in our house. So, how would one go about managing that? You know, for our listeners, you know, what what kinds of things can they do in their house to reduce that toxic load? Because you talked about the EMFs, and I know there are these these plug-in things that you can put over your Wi-Fi and and certain appliances to reduce to, to reduce that exposure. But what are some tips that people could implement?
1: Oh, I love I love this question because I'm actually uh, renovating my house at the moment, and my goal is to make it a, a in brackets healthy house. That's what that's what our aim <laughs> is to do. So, you know, we've we've painted the whole plate. We've had walls knocked down and everything, but the whole house has been painted in natural paints. I saw your Instagram oh, post you? actually with
0: the natural, uh, the bucket of natural paint. So that, what, what, what brands was that? So I actually use Lakeland paint. Okay. And there is no
1: smell, nothing. You know, even when you'd be like glossing or something, like that really smells, doesn't it? But yes. um, from Lakeland, nothing, absolutely nothing. And my husband actually has quite bad chemical sensitivities and really bad, um, you know, with dust or pollens. And he, he was absolutely fine.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: And so just things like that, you know, if we're renovating, painting our homes, the chemicals that we put all in our homes, they say it takes about 18 months for a house to off gas. So that's really, really important, you know. And again, are we opening our windows enough? Probably not. And so that's a huge tip I tell all my clients, just open the windows. That's number one. Just let the air circulate, especially if you're chronically sick and you're basically indoors Mm. all the time. Another tip that I tell all my clients is try and get a water filter. That's a really big one. Um, If you are renting or maybe if you don't own your own home, then I get clients to buy a Berkey. They're just fantastic. Really pure water. Really great.
0: They are. I've got one of those. They're amazing. Love
1: it. And then um, because we're planning on staying here, we've actually got a reverse osmosis built under the kitchen sink. Um, so everything in the kitchen is filtered. So that's a mm-hmm. great tip as well. In terms of EMFs, if you obviously can't control where you live and you know that's, that's where you are and, and that's fine, just switch off your Wi-Fi at night. Literally just the last thing you do before you go upstairs is switch it off at the wall. And I actually saw something this morning in the news, not that I watched the news very much, about how much it's even costing in energy prices to have all of our plugs switched on all night. Um, Just switch your plugs off, switch your Wi-Fi off at night. I I personally don't believe that humans were in, well, were designed to have constant laptop phones, EMFs, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi bombarded at us all day. I just don't believe that's how the human body thrives. And so the more that we can have our phones on aeroplane mode, or have the Wi-Fi switched off, especially if you have children, because um, their brains are a lot softer, you know, and a lot more, and their skulls are not as, um, as hard. So is there a question whether they're absorbing it more at a younger age? Um, we're not quite sure, but there's lots of different ways that we can control how much EMF is coming into our home. I don't have a microwave, um, we don't have Bluetooth headphones or anything like that. There's lots of different ways that we can try and minimise it, shall we say. But at the end of the day, this is a conversation being done over Wi-Fi, which is fantastic. Isn't that great?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's affecting our health.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But just turn it off at night. Just let your body have 10 hours of a bit of a break.
0: And I think it does make you sleep better because since I've started doing that, you know, definitely having a much sounder sleep and feel more refreshed in the morning. So it's really important
1: a grounding sheet is also great. I love grounding sheets. You know, Again, we don't have enough contact with the actual earth you know, um, to walk barefoot on the grass or on the sand. We don't do that anymore. And I also sleep on a grounding sheet if people want to have a look at that. I got that quite early on in my, in my recovery journey.
0: What is a grounding sheet for those who are not aware?
1: So a grounding sheet basically plugs into the wall so it accesses the earth. There's a a great documentary on Amazon Prime called The Earthing Movie. Um, And there's a book called literally Earthing. And it is about, it's scientific. It's all based around science and about how humans need to be in contact with the earth. Um, And we get that energy from the earth. Um, And there's studies that show that sleeping on a grounding sheet is literally just a sheet that you put over your bed. You wouldn't know there was anything different. It's the equivalent of taking a handful of antioxidants every hour that you're sleeping. Oh, wow. You know, so if someone you know, comes in and they've got huge amounts of inflammation, which you, know, you can bet that they do with complex chronic illness, just getting my clients to sleep on a grounding sheet. Um, it's really funny. I'll actually tell you a story. I had a client a couple of weeks ago. She bought a grounding sheet and um, she sat on it, not for very long, and she had this huge detox reaction wow and she messaged me and she said do you think it's the grounding sheet and I said well what else have you changed and we couldn't really come up with anything else that had been different and uh, by being in contact with the grounding sheet and when she goes outside and sits outside for 10 minutes and puts her feet on the grass she's having these detox reactions that her body's actually starting to shift things it's oh it's I love it it's fascinating
0: Mm -hmm. very powerful isn't it very powerful yeah you mentioned carpets before so if somebody is moving into a new house or they've got new carpets is it better to have wooden floors or vinyl what's the kind of best approach there
1: yeah we've actually put all wooden floors in because because of mold you know things like that and also you know carpets you know they've got to be sprayed with you know um, like flame retardants and things like that formaldehyde so carpets they're a bit of a funny one i personally as i say we've chosen to go with just a laminate wooden floor that would be my preference. And um, if, as you know, as I said, I'm trying to build a healthy house, that would probably be
0: the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know there's some sort of certain walls and things like that, which don't get sprayed and have a lot of toxins, but.
1: That would, that would be great. I went into the carpet shop and asked the lady for a wall carpet and then she told me the price. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just washed it back out again.
0: Wooden floors it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, So going back to dietary, so what are some of the key foods and that people need to be eating and what do they need to be eliminating with chronic illness?
1: I'm really glad that you started with what foods can they be adding in because I think it can become a bit of a minefield of I can't eat this and I can't eat this and I can't have that and I can't do that. And I prefer to focus very much on what should we be having and what's really good for us and what's going to really help us on this journey rather than, oh, well, I can't do that, that, and that. Although I will start with um, the things that we want to cut out, I don't recommend that most people have gluten at this point. You've got to remember, I'm dealing with chronic illness. I'm not saying that for everybody, but personally with chronic illness, I see that it causes a lot of inflammation. And even if someone isn't completely celiac, a lot of my clients do not do well on gluten, I think it's very heavily sprayed and it's not grown as it was 50 years ago. It's very very different these days. So that would be something that I don't eat. My family don't eat and I don't try and get clients to to eat at all. And again dairy, you know if I was having milk, I'd have raw milk completely straight from a cow. I'm not there milking the cow you understand, but um, you know there's really good versions of uh, raw milk that we can get. But again dairy, you know there's a lot of antibiotics um, in there, a lot of growth hormones. I just go really on what the science is showing and what my clients do well on. Sugar, obviously, we want to be trying to keep away from that as much as possible. Um, Again, if you've got an inflammatory disease, you pour some sugar in there, it's probably not the best idea. But in terms of what we want to be focusing on, then the world is your oyster, really. You know, I say to my clients, if you can hold it in your hand and tell me what's in there, then you go ahead and eat it. You know, if you've got some kind of gummy sweet, you can't tell me what's in that. So how on earth do you expect your body to be able to digest and absorb it? But if you show me a carrot, well, I know exactly you know—the what's in that. It's a carrot, so your body knows exactly how to process that. Anything that we put in our body that is not real food at this point just puts extra stress on the body because the body then has to figure out how to break it down and digest it and and get rid of the bits that we don't need. So the more that we can stick to a natural diet, which is – you know, meats, you know, organic meats if possible. So anything, you know, chicken, beef, fish, turkey, um, and then you've got your veggies, you know, anything there. Organic is would be even more perfect, but anything in that role, you know, homemade soups would be great or salads would be fantastic. And then, you know, adding your fat contents, you've got your olive oil and your avocados and your fish and your nuts and seeds and your nut butters. That would be just brilliant as well. And you've got your chai seeds and all those kinds of beautiful things. And then you put that alongside fresh water, you know, really great herbal teas. It really doesn't have to be complicated. I don't believe anyway. It really can be very, very simple. You just stay out, you know, you, you kind of shop around the, the outskirts of the supermarket. So you go to the veg section and then you go to the butcher, then you go to the fishmonger and you stay out the middle bit of the supermarket, which is just all your processed bits.
0: You, you're fine. You're, you know, you'll be okay it's just about getting back to basics, isn't it? And, you know, eating how, how you know, they did our ancestors did many, many moons ago and just eating, as you say, what the foods that the body can process and not all this kind of convenience, highly processed sugary foods that most people are eating on a daily basis. Yeah.
1: And that also goes into, you know, stay, that's also, you know, again, staying away from Wi-Fi, being in contact with nature, um, you know, when we're coming to detox protocols, they are based around herbs. Herbs come from nature. I believe that there is everything that we need to heal. We have all the answers. I think sometimes we don't necessarily like the answers because it's difficult, but I really believe that we have all the answers in nature.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I love herbs and, um, you know, and even, you know, quite a few of the pharmaceuticals are derived from a plant source uh, you know the constituents in plants that have got those active compounds are medicinally beneficial so you know herbs are amazing so are there any specific nutrients minerals vitamins that are helpful for people with lyme disease lots <laughs> i
1: would, <yeah. laughs> so if you, so if you want to start really really basic so i would be getting your vitamin d checked you know and looking at you know vit, vitamin c levels and things like that and and um, you know your magnesium in an evening would be great and epsom salt baths would be fantastic if i if i could kind of give yeah maybe some priorities i'd be saying support your liver a little bit more so that would be you know like i said before milk thistle and nettle teas and dandelion teas and uh, binders and chlorella and all those good things to to kind of bind to the toxins and start to pull them out of the body anything that you can do in that realm but it's quite difficult when the conditions are so complex to just kind of give specific um, supplement recommendations. Um, you know, B12 would be great and lots of things like that. But I think there's, there's a bigger picture that we need to look at.
0: Absolutely. It is a complex condition, um, like most chronic illnesses. So you absolutely do need to be working with a, a practitioner that's got experience in Lyme disease or the condition that you, you're experiencing. So, um, but it's just to give people a bit of a, a starting point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so they can go and do their research and, and, and start looking at ways to improve their health. Cause as you said at the beginning, you know, our bodies have this innate ability to, to heal and you're a big believer in that you can overcome. Lyme disease if you've given your body the, the right the right support that it needs yeah
1: I, I would probably if someone's right at the beginning I'd pro- I would start with food as always you know everything yeah. comes from food um and if, if if someone's able to kind of redo their diet a little bit that would be a great starting point and then starting to kind of look at supplements from there
0: absolutely um, and in your health Jenny what was the turning point for you when your health really started to improve?
1: As I say, I was working with Dr. Myhill and she, um, she found lots of things that were wrong and was able to help me put them right again. But it really was getting that Lyme disease test and knowing once and for all why I had low thyroid, why my adrenals were exhausted, why I had candida, which were all the things that Myhill had helped me with. But finding the, almost what I think was the final piece of the puzzle and able to get the specific herbs and the specific protocol for Lyme was the biggest key and the biggest jigsaw piece for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting to that root cause, isn't it? And um,
1: just keep digging. Yeah. And working with someone who can do the digging for you.
0: Absolutely. Now, just to finish up, what's your biggest tip for anyone experiencing a chronic illness or health issue?
1: My biggest thing is um, I'll always ask my clients, do they believe that they can get well? And obviously, I, I want them to say that they do believe that. If you can do anything in your day to keep your brain in a really good place where you can keep striving every day towards that recovery, um, your brain will believe what you tell it. And if you can, any which way, I literally sent an email this morning, whether that be positive music that you love or a favorite TV program that you love or um, positive affirmations or making a vision board, or even if you're not in the position where you could work with someone and get kind of the right protocols that you need. If you can just keep believing that you're going to recover and your body has what it needs to heal, then you will find a way to heal. You know, even if that is grounding or, um, you know, changing your diet to begin with, just keep believing that you can recover. And then I really do believe that it's completely possible.
0: I love that. Yeah. Mindset is absolutely key. It is. And having that positive kind of outlook. Yeah. Um, because as you say, you know, we feed our brains with information, you know, with every thought, you know, manifests in the body. So, you know, got to try and make sure that they're positive thoughts and, and, and having that belief and hope is really, really crucial. It is.
1: It is. And, and, you know, some days I don't do very well at it, but, you know, really trying to to kind of, like you say, um, and the brain, like I say, the brain will believe what you tell it.
0: Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us today. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I know it's going to help a lot, so many of our listeners. Now, where can people find more information about you, Rebecca, and the work that you do? Um, so at the moment, probably if you
1: go to my Instagram page, which is Hello Healing so all one word. So I try and share loads of stuff on there. So just as much kind of help and content as I can put out um, just to be helping people. And then my website again is hellohealing.co.uk. Those are probably the two places that um, people can go and check out um, more information.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for chatting.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening. And a big thank you to Rebecca for sharing her inspiring story and expertise with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Rebecca in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnmpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about nutrition, herbal medicine or homeopathy, check out CNM's range of short online courses and diploma training on the CNN website at www.naturopathy.com. we have a series of open events coming up in the next few months and you can find all the details in the events section of the website thanks so much for joining us today if you enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes while you're there we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content